Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz pod. Matt, Jordan and Tom all here to discuss well, a thoroughly disappointing 1-1 draw against Wigan Athletic and also some much bigger, more significant news off the pitch, which we'll get to in just a moment. But first things first, how is everyone feeling at the moment? Doing well, uh, all things considered. I think we're, well, I'm feeling all right and uh, looking forward to quickly going through the Wigan game. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it wasn't a great one, was it, Tom? Uh, no, not one that will <clears throat> live long in the memory. I mean, it seems to be the case that we say this more often than not now, doesn't it? Um, it used to be that I could remember a lot about games and these days I feel like they all kind of blur into one and indeed Watford News blurs into one. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's not give it. Is that our age coming through, Tom? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> there is that. I must have, Do you know what? I was watching, I was reading a book about Sunderland. There you go, we're already getting off topic for anything but the game. I'm reading a book about Sunderland's promotion season of I think was it 06 07 under Roy Keane at the moment that's a niche read well I'm a Sunderland sympathizer because of university and um I bought it in (laughs) here we are we're really down the wormhole I bought it in a bookshop in Galway last year and um I'm reading it and it's very good Uh, it's by Jonathan Wilson so you'd expect that and uh they have they they print the lineup for every game they played that season and the amount of names I can remember. I'm like, oh yeah, so-and-so for like Danny Tiato for Leicester City and people like that. Paul Boatin for Derby. And these days, if you ask me to name, uh, well, not Leicester or Derby because none of them are in our division anymore, bad example. But if you ask me to name a handful of Wigan players before Saturday, I would have really struggled. So there you are. Is, is it age? Is it just a lack of interest? Bit of both. You can cut that out if you want, Matt, when it comes to the edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's an appropriately positive uh, start to the podcast, I'd say. So It's not going to get better. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into it on that note. Yes. Well, I mean, there's not too much to analyse in some way. I mean, look, I, think the, I think the performance wasn't terrible. I think in the first half, you know, a few things go differently and we could have come away, uh, could have come away with more. Um, I think Wigan were perhaps better in possession than many of us many of us expected coming into it. Uh, there was always that feeling of apprehension when you saw the whole 
you know, Wigan players haven't been paid prior to the game and so on. And that's just a classic banana skin moment for Watford, really. So there was that concern. But, you know, look, we, 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 we had some, some okay moments in that first half, but you have to be you have to be beating these teams. I mean, you're playing bottom of the table. If we have aspirations of, of promotion or playoff games, let alone winning a playoff game, these are the sorts of teams you have to be beating. And it, it wasn't good enough to really come away with the points. You know, we, we made mistakes ourselves. The goal wasn't wasn't great goal that we conceded. Uh, I thought probably Jao Pedro maybe had his worst game at least this season for us, uh, which doesn't help. You know when your best player is not playing well, it's, it makes things a little harder too. Uh, so yeah, it was a struggle, and it was you know kind of really not what you wanted after the back of the previous game where we we felt like there were some real signs of improvement, a little bit of promise, a little bit of hope, and then you kind of go into it with a slight a slight back step, and it you know it's it's, it's a disappointing feeling. Um, that, that the game went that way. Mm. Tom, what was your thoughts on on, on Jao Pedro? You put out a, a tweet uh, earlier on. Yeah, I retweeted the Not The Top 20 podcasts. Um, they did a little graphic. They're very good. And as we'll probably be in this division next year, I'd advise anyone that hasn't followed them already to follow. Um, a little graphic that they put out with most um, successful dribbles, I think, in this this season, possibly in the final third. I can't remember if that caveat I should have prepared. Um, but the gist was I shared it and then Vic Bate retweeted it and said, or replied, I should say, and said that 35 of those, and the number was about 60 or 70, have come in the last four games, which I think actually quite nicely illustrates the issue at the moment. Um with 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 Pedro that he's I said this to Andy next to me the other day the um sorry it's 93 dribbles and 35 of those win the last four games um there's almost that Wayne Rooney for England kind of problem with Pedro at the moment where you know he's the best player by far and he's the one that can make something happen but because he is very cognizant of that fact himself and he wants to affect the play, he just gets deeper and deeper and tries to do more and more and more to the point that he sort of eventually plays himself out of effectiveness and throws the whole system, shape, whatever, out of kilter. And I think we've seen that increasingly in the last few weeks with him. But I think that kind of came to a head really, didn't it, on uh, on Saturday against um, the team that we drew with. Wigan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. What I will say is he he was he's playing still in a more advanced position, and we we start to, we started to see. Jesus Christ! My cat just tr- attempted to jump up and failed next to me. Get out of here, you little rat bear! Sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah, so he has been playing in more advanced areas, and he did he did well for the goal too, uh, for the, the first and only goal in that game. But, you know, if he's not having a good game and he is getting to those deeper positions, then it does really kind of, it, it does affect things. And we rely on him so heavily too. So it's, it's a tough one. And yeah, it's, it's disappointing, but we, we can't know what a central figure he is for us. So we have to, we do have to rectify that and, and find a way to get more of that output consistently from him. Because, you know, it's not been, it's not been bad by any means. He's still been our best, and you could probably say he's been our best player this season, but... Uh, we really, really desperately need him if we have any chance to to make any sort of late run if that's still on. I'm just looking through some of the numbers quick on on Jao Pedro, and even you know, even when he's not putting his best performance, and you know, arguably, you'd, well, I think a lot of us thought it was quite a bad performance by his standards. He's still he's still massively influential. 
I mean, look at the carries and so on, the dribbles, you know, 10, 10 attempted, nine successful, two key passes. He had the second most touches on the on the ball in the game with 87, which for a, a forward player is a lot. You know, it's not Imran loses first with 90. So there's only a couple of difference. And, you know, Imran loses kind of in, in possession a lot, recycling the ball. And, and Jao Pedro is in that forward position. So that, you know, it shows what a focal point he is. Um, you know, four, seven shots, it, it's it's another one target obviously but you know still an assist as well for the goal so he's still active and obviously vitally important so I do want to clarify when I say it's a bad game it's still by his the standards we hold Jao Pedro too. Mm. On a side note as we're discussing Jao Pedro there was some news recently that uh, Cristiano Giretta had been talking to uh, I believe it was an Italian source um, and it was translated that uh, he says, I can say that he has an England price. We haven't received any requests or proposals from Italy. He has as many admirers in the Premier League, but the truth is we're happy about him. Do you think that's in reference to the fact that Roma... Oh, was it Roma or AC Milan, I think, actually? AC, AC Milan, Milan yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it seems inevitable, which you know I don't think is a terrible thing. But... Yeah, it's it's tough to say exactly what the what the situation will be. But you expect it's going to be a significant fee. So, I mean, I guess the English price is is always going to be slightly inflated. But um, yeah, I imagine it's probably. I didn't read the whole translated article. I'm not sure if either of you did, but um, I assumed it was in it was in connection to the links to Italy that that was kind of coming about, which is kind of annoying. I know he's Italian, but I, it is weird that so so often the cases are. Any source of new, like, information that comes out, we're having to translate from Italian to English. And these, there's never any domestic interviews really other anymore. It's strange, isn't it? Do they, do the club not um, kind of control him for want of a better word when he is not in England or what? Because or, or do they, and therefore give him permission to carry out these interviews? And therefore, why aren't we being afforded, you know, even via translator, the same? You know, it would be good. Well, I don't even know why Giorette is still making comments. Well, uh, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, is he still significant enough to be talking about these? You wouldn't think so. Um, but... You'd certainly hope not. Anyway, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, anyway, back to the game for the moment. Um, Must we? Let's talk about some positives because oh. there were a few. Uh, people have been talking about Jeremy Ngakia for the last couple of games and um, they've been saying that they've been impressed with what they've seen uh, with him under Chris Wilder, um, see, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't particularly feel the same. I think he's he does what he does. I don't really see him as a as a great option for us. To be honest with you, I mean, he's he's had a couple of decent shots on goal, which I think does stick in the memory. Maybe even Tom remembers that one. Um, but I think perhaps they're 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 comparing him now compared to you know you know when he played previously, which seems like. Quite yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, he he has a slightly different role, and he he can he has signed to offer. He can be decent in those one-on-one defensive situations, but I, I think as a as a wing back in in terms of what we'd want to do, I'd say he's still somewhat limited. I think when fit, Ferreira is going to be the one that that kind of fits that mo- that role a little bit more. Um, yeah, I just don't really see Ngakia as a, he's he's been one that's disappointed me a little bit. He's he's probably one that I missed on when when he came, and I expected a little bit more from him. Um, and yeah, he's not overly impressed me his last few games, but you know, I have seen others say that that they have been impressed. So I, I guess it's kind of subjective in that sense. But um, I still would want a little bit more from that. Yeah, I just think from that right wing back position, I think it's so important for what we try to do. 
um, I still think we're just a little bit limited there. I think he's definitely not the ideal fit for that, is he? I don't think anyone would, would say otherwise. I see uh, Joao Ferreira was back in action and I think got an assist for the under-21s on Monday. You would reasonably assume if he's fit for the weekend, he comes in in, in some capacity. Um, I thought Ngakia was good against um, Birmingham, but perhaps because he was doing things that I was so unused to seeing. Less so against Wigan, for example, he completed fewer forward passes than both the goalkeepers. Um, so that's probably not great. Mind you, Ken Semmer didn't complete many either. Um, but yeah, he's, he's maybe done some kind of standout things. He had the chance against Birmingham. He had a volley against Wigan, didn't he? That have perhaps kind of put him at the front and centre of people's minds and actually he's not done as as well as some of us. And I include myself in that because I was getting probably quite carried away against Birmingham. Might have might have otherwise felt. Um, but I, th- I think his running, his running, the t- his cup runneth probably over at Kenilworth Road. Okay, cool. Um, Ishmael Kone came in for some plaudits. Um, he was particularly good against Birmingham. Um, did he follow that up against Wigan though, Jordan? Um, I think he was still good. Uh, I think that there's it, it a slight change uh, in slight change in approach. He weren't quite as dominant in in a lot of ways. I think we didn't get to quite get to see um, some of the kind of movements we saw in the in the previous game. But you know, he still he still occupied that right side quite heavily and supported Ngakia and got the ball into Pedro and so on. He had you know had he had an opportunity towards the end of the game where he felt like he could have done a little bit better. But you know, he ret- he retained the ball. He he used it nicely enough. He was decent out of out of possession. Um, he didn't. He wasn't massively active in in terms of breaking up possession, but his positioning was quite good. And yeah, I think he was fine. I I still think he's one of those players where he's at that age and at that point of his career where it's maybe gonna be a little bit up and down. But you can see there's some talent there, and there's a reason why he's still getting on the pitch. Well, I guess that reason could be because we haven't got many other options. But I think he is. Um, I think he's doing pretty well for, for all things considered. So I'm, I'm pleased to see him in there still, and hoping that as time kind of goes on, even this short period of time towards the end of the season, it's definitely an opportunity to uh, to elevate himself a little more and, and kind of become one of those central figures to the to the midfield. Okay, that's only really the, the only few good points that I had to uh, to talk about the game, but the. The bad points really outweigh it. And one of the big things that people have been talking about and that I felt at the time as well is that um, it just felt as though the team was really lacking in 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 character, in drive, in determination. I can understand players missing chances. The Jao Pedro one early on was, um, you know, was a real howler. But, you know, come back from that. But it, it just seemed as though we looked really defeated and especially when Wigan got their equaliser it was almost as though you know we 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 went very flat after that i think the goal summed that up that kind of lack of effort and maybe not even effort but just lack of desire and character you know it's a very lazy closing down half-hearted closing down of the cross when the second ball comes back in you know who is caught out by James McLean, hardly a renowned header of the ball. I don't think he's six foot, put it that way, either. And you just think, it's, it's quite basic, but if you were watching that on Match of the Day, you can just imagine them picking up Bakuna and going, 
Alan Shearer going, he's got to get hold of the man, you know, like that's a terrible Alan Shearer. But do you know what I mean? Just like he's got to get out and make it hard to put the cross in. He sort of he stops a couple of feet away, he sort of turns his back, half-heartedly sticks up a foot, hoots caught out completely. And I, I just think it, you know, smacks of a real lack of I don't want to say effort, effort's not the right word, but I think almost rolling up your sleeves and being prepared to kind of you know die for the cause leave everything out there do the nasty stuff do the hard yards I think I I still think from afar without knowing any of these players or being around the camp there's an element of thinking it's just going to click for us we're good we're good as a a group we're talented enough as a group that it's just going to click and it's just going to happen and we can do the nice stuff and the fancy stuff and the enjoyable stuff and the rest of it won't matter because that stuff alone is going to get us through but you know we all season championship watchers as Watford fans. And I mean, you know, it's a cliche that it applies to the championship, but it applies to all levels of football and all levels of sport. You know, you have to do the unglamorous stuff to earn the right to do the other stuff. And I think there's a kind of mental fragility within that team, as well as you kind of alluded to, Matt, that the goal goes in. And, you know, how much did we really create after that point? There's a semi-chance, isn't there, where Ken cuts it back and loser has a shot. But, yeah, there's not a lot. I think probably it was summed up by, was it a Sombolonga who just boshed one over from about 20 yards towards the end and just think, yeah, it just wasn't going to be our day, was it? What do you think of Backman in the goal? I saw Backman getting a lot of stick. Yeah, he got pelters, didn't he? People annoyed that he didn't deal with the initial corner, but I think it's hard to tell on the replay, and even more so at the time, does... Does Keenan Davis not sort of essentially head it away from underneath him? I don't know if does Backman get the punch or is it Keenan Davis's head that gets it away in the initial um, phase of play? And then as for the the header itself, I mean, I'm not an expert and it's always hard to analyse goalkeepers properly. Is it one where if he's a couple of paces, a couple of steps off his line, and gets up a bit earlier, he can get a palm to that. I don't know. I mean, it is right in the corner. And I, I do just wonder if that was another goalkeeper, not Ben Foster, because I'm sure he'd have got pelters for it as well, but a popular goalkeeper. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed to... It might not it even be a debate. Like it was a really good header. It was a good, and, it was and, a good header. And, and I felt as though Backman was, he gave the best chance he had to try and save it. I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if many goalkeepers save it. I think some are, but I don't, I don't know if many are. I don't think it was an easy save. He was fully stretched trying to get to that corner. It was, it was, it was a good header. It was top corner. I think there's. I, I do think it's fair to question Backman as the as the number one keeper, but I'm not sure that goal in particular, at least the actual final header or the attempted save the header, is something to really criticise too heavy on. Although it is, I, I think there's definitely an argument for for those that are saying, you know, where's where's Akoy not featuring for, you know, he's not really featured at all, obviously, and also not even really played. In some of the under twenty one games that you've seen, what under twenty threes you've seen, um, Aston Belunga and Ferreira playing, and so on. So, you do wonder if um, if they if there is some kind of validity to those that are questioning his starting position at times. But I wouldn't necessarily say down to that goal in particular. But that the, the Backman goal uh, and you know his performance didn't really make Watford lose that game. It was. It was the other ten players in front of him. Yeah, we we lost because we weren't clinical enough as usual. We, you know, we um, for all that we started with the intensity and intent and and created 
shooting opportunities. I don't know if we created goal scoring opportunities. You know, the Pedro one is obviously is guilt edged. Um, might not show high up in the XG because of the, the angle of the where he takes the shot from, but it's a guilt edge fit chance. Keenan Davis had a header that was offside, didn't he? Um, but you know, I'm struggling to remember other truly good opportunities. We got in the box a lot. We put a lot of crosses in, 29 crosses. But did we actually get in behind and and create real goal scoring opportunities? I'm I'm not sure we did, and I think that's that was the difference. We can you can dominate the ball and what have you, but you've got to you've got to actually make it count. Agreed. So does that result mean that um, Watford season is effectively over, or is it never over until it's mathematical? Well, I mean, it's just close. It's close to that. I mean, you. you... We can't afford much, much room. We have to basically we have to win pretty much all of our games and and hope for a bit of luck. I suppose is the best, the best thing. So we can hope for. So it's it's I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the table now, and it's it's hard to see, isn't it? We've got a pretty favourable run in. It has to be said. Obviously, Luton is going to be hard because they're a good team and the rivalry and and, and what have you. But it's an important game in respect of that's a that's a team in the playoffs that. All right, they're you know they're fourth. We're we're probably aiming for sixth at best, but you know it's a it's a it's a team we can perhaps haul in a little bit, or at least stop getting further away from us. But then after that, you've got uh, a few teams that are you know right down there, or or have got nothing to play for. Huddersfield are in a relegation scrap, mind you. There we've got them at home on the Good Friday, and I wrote down earlier teams we've not beaten at home this season that we ought to have. Milton Keynes Dons in the Cup, QPR, who are 19th at the moment and look awful, Swansea, who are 16th, Hull, who are 15th, Rotherham, who are 20th, Preston, who I don't think are great in a 12th, and obviously Wigan, who are rock bottom. That's three, four, five, seven teams that you would have thought you should have beaten at home. So the fact that we've got Huddersfield, Bristol City, Cardiff and Stoke, who are all pretty poor at home, should be a a good thing, but... I don't know if it necessarily is. I'd almost say we're more likely to get points against Sunderland and Coventry away, who are both better teams in the in the playoff shakeup. But personally, I don't think we're getting in the playoffs. But I think Luton is probably the the last chance saloon for us because if if we don't win, the emotional toil that will put on the team and the supporters, I think, will kill off any kind of vibe that that remains. It's upsetting, isn't it? What could have been? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bit. But, you know, I mean, look, there's still something to play for. And that's, I think, as long as there is something to play for, we've got to focus on that and and hope that things go away a little bit. And, you know, it's at least if if anything, it it does add some level of interest that we do have a game against against our rival coming up. And that that could... I mean, I'm, I don't feel like we're probably tired of saying yeah. this, but it could be something that kickstarts it a little bit for us. So, uh, yeah, I think we've just got to kind of be a little bit hopeful and, and try and remain somewhat optimistic just for our own enjoyment of the remainder of the season, at least. The thing is, the ownership has brought this expectation on itself, really, because if we were in this position with this many games to go and Rob Edwards was still in charge and he'd been able to, you know, imprint something on the team that resembled a, a philosophy and a style of play we'd probably say, you know what, all right, we're going to be in the Championship next season as likely as not, but that's a reasonable season. That gives us something to build on for next year. You mean you think we're in a better position, you're saying? But 
it's it's been a win now setup since he let well, he since he was kicked out the door. I was about to say walked out the door, but kicked out the door, and so expectation levels oh, okay. have risen in accordance with that. I don't think you get that performance from the guys had Rob Edwards been in charge all season. Probably not. No, agreed. Well, no, no, well, I mean, we might have been in the same position, but I don't think that you get that kind of, I don't know, um, languid, uh, sort of half-hearted, uh, you know, it just, I think that they would have been thoroughly on board the Rob Edwards train and they'd have committed to um, to what he's trying to do and seen that he was being backed by the ownership, which would have been, the, that, that would have been the big, difference this season the players would have been like oh hang on a second he's not been he's not been fired he he must be here for the season you know let's well, I don't know anyway <laughs> I think if he definitely adds more accountability and it, it, it does perhaps um, you've got more of an opportunity to create a culture I guess in the club and an attempt to 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 the stop those sorts of kind of weak performances happening I suppose there is the opportunity that can come from it but yeah it's it's frustrating and I mean I, I think we just I don't know next game looking forward to it yeah <laughs> don't know what else to say on Wigan are you looking forward <laughs> to it though um yeah I mean I am looking forward to it you don't think Luton's it, gonna absolutely game that matters and... smash us given how we're uh, if they do what, what state we're in if they do you know it they, they might do, but honestly, I'm I'm okay either way. I I just want to feel something, Matt. You know? <laughs> I don't want to feel the I don't want to feel the the bland feeling of a depressing one all draw at home to Wigan or you know these sort of situations where it's just kind of numb. I'm I'm, I'm up for a bit of a, an interesting game. To... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's my positive spin on it. That's my positive spin. <laughs> well, the Wigan game might not have been that eventful uh, on the field, but um, off the field um, and in the Watford um program there was some uh unexpected news um that uh, scott doxbury had uh, had written in his in his piece that he does in most most weeks um that uh, gino pozzo and himself will um at very long last come face to face with the watford supporters um most likely once the season has come to an end um but that has been the start of an ongoing chat as to whether uh, that could um, be the start of something moving forward uh, between the, the club and uh, and the fan base and uh, it's got people talking so shall we shall we join in the chatter? I think we should Yes Tom what do we know about it? Yeah I think the key thing here is that it's different this time or, or it's been <laughs> Couched as it's going, <laughs> yeah, it's been couched as it's going to be different this time. Um, the the thing being that, well, the quote from Duxbury is that it is essential for me that it has to be the supporters themselves that decide the structure of how they are represented across the very broad church that is the Watford fan base and in what format the meetings take place. In other words, over to you. Um, given the omni-shambles that it was last time where it was essentially done because they had to and they hadn't done it at that point in the Premier League. It's a Premier League requirement. I think they kind of hastily cobbled something together, invited people that were hand-picked, which is not a criticism of anyone that attended and, and you know, far furthest thing from it. If you were asked to go... I would have been, you know, surprised if you, anyone that was invited didn't want to go. Anyway, that's the that's the kind of ancient history. But it, you know, it was a one and done. The uh, the memorandum of understanding essentially kind of put a handcuff on anyone that wait, did go to say anything, and it was never repeated. And shamefully, some of those that went were subjected to unacceptable personal abuse, and even actually continue to be to this day and I think we'd all say as a podcast that whatever happens out of this the most important thing is that we as a fan base need to remain united there's been a hell of a lot of kind of infighting and, and fan fan gatekeeping this season and, and none of it is a good look none of it is conducive to um, a successful team you know I'm not saying there's a direct correlation with that and, and on-field performances but I'm sure it all kind of contributed to the atmosphere or lack of and the kind of toxicity around Vicarage Road and on social media this season, which, um, you know, one way or another, I think we've, we've all commented on at times this year. So 
it's been turned over to the supporters and we will see kind of how that plays out. I think it can't be worse than than last time and it's it's certainly very much overdue and, and now it's up to supporters to take this opportunity you know we've been we've called for it for a long time I think haven't we one way or another to hear from Gino we've, we've got better than that I guess in in essence certainly if we take it at face value the opportunity to meet with him and um, put questions to him and put points of view to him and have an open dialogue so I think the most important thing now is to ensure that we don't miss that opportunity you know if you I can only think of this as a um, analogy. It's the best analogy I can kind of come up with. But you know, if you if you swing for the king, you better not miss. And I think it's easy to take the opportunity to ask about the kind of minutiae of, of certain footballing decisions. You know, why was uh, Chisco sacked? Why was uh, Nigel Pearson sacked? Blah blah blah. Why did Troy Deeney get let go? Have we tried to do this? Have we tried to do that? But I think there are far more kind of pressing things at play here. And and Jordan, you went on the, the WD18 fans channel uh, this week, didn't you? And, and talked about a kind of their five-point plan or talked through together a five-point plan for what needs to happen at Watford going forward. And I think it's it's that level of kind of scrutiny and that level of kind of um, thinking that needs to be applied to this because I think we've all recognised at one time or another it's been kind of groundhog day for a few years now sack a manager get a little bounce tail off sack a manager get a little bounce tail off two relegations in in three years churn of players like you wouldn't believe borrowing money from Macquarie and so on and I think none of it paints the picture of a club that is going in the right direction in any sense fast so whether or not you agree that Watford being an, in the championship and a middling table, middling club in the championship is our natural position or whether you think we should be more ambitious, I think you almost have to strip that away from it and say, what is the real state of play with the club? What are we doing? Where are we going? And how are we going to get there? And let's actually um, have some accountability and a bit of a roadmap and direction. You know, it's it's easy to say we want to be a, a top 20 club in this country, a top 30 club or get in the Champions League or win every trophy on the planet, fine. Until you actually put into place an expectation and a plan of how you're going to achieve that, then, you know, it's meaningless. There needs to be accountability. And I think that is what has been lacking for a, a very, very long time at Watford. I think also, too, is an element now of uh, with the, the recent track record and after the last disastrous attempt to kind of find some opportunity to, to talk to fans as, as you know from a, from a larger point of view, um, I think most kind of look at everything in the worst possible light now. So, you know, any sort of idea when there's when there's nothing being said, people assume we assume the worst because of what's happened. Right. So. It's always the way, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, when especially too, you fill in the gaps for yourself. Well, yeah, and I think trust was definitely damaged somewhat. And you know, trust—you you touched on there at the beginning of what of, of what you were saying there, but trust for those that were invited to the previous attempt has been must have been heavily damaged. You know, because they 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 did get thrown under the bus, and it was a really ill-advised uh, move from the club to handle it that way. So. 
look, it's an opportunity to do something better. It remains to be seen whether we will do that or not. Um, I, I'm not entirely confident that we we kind of know us we have a solution how to to properly address these points and and open some level of communication. So I think there are still going to be some things. Obviously, there's always going to be some things, but I think there'll be quite a few pressing things that that won't really get answered or resolved even with this. Um, this attempted meeting but let's see you know maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe it will but it's definitely something that we we have an opportunity to have input on so you know as as a collective as a fan base and let's see if there's something good that can come of it rather than uh, repeating the, the more recent attempts what do you think is the most realistic positive outcome from this i mean the most positive outcome would be, you know, what I personally, as a fan, what I would say, um, the most positive thing I could hear coming from Gino or Scott would be some, some, some admission of admission of guilt is maybe a harsh way to put it, but it's just accepting errors and admitting to that and saying, you know, what we had a certain way of doing things, we had certain ideas, we hold our hands up and say it didn't work out. We accept that. We're not. I don't want to hear stubbornness. I don't want to hear closed-off defensiveness. Um, you know, going around the uh, answering around the questions and uh, it, just some level of admission would be would be better. And I'm not. These aren't guys that I'm. I'm expecting to go up there and you know break down and 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 say everything they've done wrong. But just just some level of of humbleness to them that that would that would help kind of bridge that gap because. You know, it's very much in that realm of, of of politician talk right now, where everything's a very, you know, a very structured, gone over answer without kind of really answering anything. So just just some kind of genuine human beingness from <laughs> from Duxbury and Gina would be a start. We got that a bit last summer, didn't we, with Duxbury, and then you know the kind of um... when things are going well, it's easy. Though, no, exactly. It? That's it. And my point was going to be actions speak louder than words and the actions ever since have, have proven that that was lip service and nothing more so yeah it needs to be it needs to be those two things kind of married together doesn't it and for my part i'd say i agree with everything jordan says and there needs to be a commitment that is followed through on to continue to do this whether it's monthly quarterly whatever it, it needs to be continued so that supporters can hold the executive to account as as they should because otherwise it will just be one of those things that kind of comes around you know yearly six monthly or whatever and it holds no real bite no real power whatsoever so it's um we kind of remain to be seen but i think it, you know it's on us as a support base i don't necessarily mean the three of us or anything but i mean anyone that is to be involved wants to be involved to to make it work because it's almost you don't ask you don't get right i think as supporters as well we have to be i think on on the one hand you have to kind of be somewhat open to it uh, and see what see what happens on the other hand i think you can also still go in with the level of skept, skept, you, can, well, you can be skeptical about it i think still and uh, and and really kind of consider what's actually being put put in front of you because you know there are always in these situations there are times where things are said to placate and so on I think you still have to be able to hold these guys accountable but you can still be you know open minded at the same time and also just to be clear in regards to us we we don't know at this point as a podcast or as three individuals 
um, what our involvement will be. And I'm going to speak on behalf of Matt and, and Tom right now because I think I have the, the power to do so. <laughs> um, you have the power. I've been granted this power officially. officially <laughs> um, look, I think the, the, the thing for us is there's nothing... We are ultimately fans. That is kind of first and foremost. And what we do is by no way going to be affected by the club. There's nothing the club are going to you know, dangle over us to, 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 to or offer us to kind of lead us into any particular way of thinking or discussing things. So first and foremost for us, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And if we have an opportunity to be involved in some capacity, then um, then we would do so in a positive way. But a, again, we know our, our objective is not to be uh, tied to the club in any capacity. It's just to simply continue what we're doing the way we like to do it. And, and that means, you know, having no bias and having no real obligation to say or think in any, any particular way. So that's that's the plan from from us and yeah we'll see kind of how it goes it's still very early stages no one really knows entirely what this is going to look like but uh, i think that's probably how we feel and i'd assume just based on those that i've spoken to from from others that do something similar to us you know most people feel that way um and that that to me at least gives me some hope that there'll be some positive outcome yeah i can categorically say that you know we're not signing any like non-disclosure uh forms or anything uh you know i I, I pretty much walk out of there straight away if that was on the table because what's the point in just a few people being part of a select group so and and plus that's not even the fan base the fan base is hundreds of thousands um well am i my it is about 100 how many what is our fan base (laughs) i don't know i know well no one knows do they but yes you'd reasonably assume it runs into the hundreds so, so I, I completely understand uh, why this meeting would need to be, um, you know, probably a few hundred rather than, you know, thousands and thousands because it's just not possible. But streamlining it is fine. That's that's fine. I think it's just as long as we're as long as we're clear that there's no there's no no idea that anything would be we're uncorruptible by the club. Is what we're trying to say. So yeah, I think I think it's just important to get. I think the point is that no supporter or supporters are any better or any more important than any other supporter, are they? I think the only way that you would um, kind of distinguish in that is if if it was a genuine board member, you know, if it was somebody that was invited onto the board as a as a, as a fan in that capacity, and they were given you know access to everything that any other board member was given, and you know, all the kind of financial figures and dealings and everything were laid bare, then yes, of course, there's some commercial sensitivity and, you know, stuff. But otherwise, the things that, and, you know, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, but I think the things that I want to kind of hear out of it are, what's the plan? What are we going to do to avoid repeating the mistakes going forward? Because we were told that we wouldn't be repeating them. You know, what's the financial situation you know from the outside looking in and as a layman you know it the the signs are concerning so you know what are we what are we doing about that what and and what does our kind of footballing performance impact upon that and and how are we going to improve those situations whilst kind of maintaining the good work that we do because there is good work the work in the community uh, and so on is is great and and I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff that we're unaware of the good stuff that we've done but you know obviously the stuff with the NHS and so on the, the some of the supporter uh, groups the women of Watford things like that that the club have got involved in so there is good amongst 
the evident mistakes, but of course the the focus shines most brightly on the the football side of things. Okay, um, just want to briefly move on uh, to one last topic then, um, and I saw this today. I don't know if you, either of you have had a chance to to look at it or not, but um, basically just looking at that whole uh, conundrum that um, is a, a separate issue, really, but another disappointing one throughout football and that's that uh clubs such as Watford can um bring up uh and coach uh young academy talent uh such as Harry Amass um and also Adrian Blake um only for them to move on to to bigger clubs for very low fees do you want to go into a bit more detail on that Tom well this is the the legacy of E Triple P essentially, isn't it? Which was bought in quite a few years ago um, by the Premier League to, I mean, they would say improve the kind of production of young homegrown talent in this country. Um, I think it's skeptics, it's cynics, it's detractors, among which I would count myself, would say it was to exert greater control and um, kind of separate them and us the elite from the um the rest i guess um the the premise being that category academies were divided into categories one through four or no academy i believe i I quite possibly i'm just in the flip of my head we'll get some of these details wrong but i think that was the principal point of it and watford at that point obviously had a prolific academy but we decided because of the commitments that you had to make financial and otherwise that we would go for a lesser category. Did we go for category three in the end, I think, at that point? I think initially. I think we may have since upgraded to two. Upgraded. But what that means, the significance of that is that you are only therefore entitled to a certain amount of compensation for a player. So if they've been, and I don't know the figures in years, but for argument's sake, if they've been with you for um, from, you know, uh, over over five years, then you get ten grand for every year. If they've been with you for over ten years, then you get twenty grand for every year. Whereas before it went to tribunal, and there was a much kind of more even-handed and considered and individual uh, financial recompense. These days, it's a formulaic thing, and it has made it very easy for bigger clubs to poach players from other clubs because they're kind of two million plus i think it's more than that possibly to get graded as a category one academy is obviously a drop in the ocean for for most premier league clubs there are clubs below the premier league that have category one academies there are clubs in the premier league that do it an entirely different way obviously brentford have the b team model and that has been very very successful for them and there are other clubs that have done something similar but i think when you see players that we have developed and you know there's every chance that we pinch them off somebody else at a younger age or pick them up when they've been released by somebody else at a younger age picked off and there's nothing Watford can do to protect themselves and defend themselves you do kind of think well I'm not surprised that the uh, Watford make minimal effort to kind of promote academy talent because and, and pr- create that pathway provide that pathway into the first team because what's the point at the end of the day anyone who's any good it's a small world football. Uh, anyone who's any good, it will be an open secret and they will get poached. And Harry Amass and, and Adrian Blake look like 
two that will possibly go that way. We've seen plenty of others. I think the main one was probably, or one of the main ones was um, Jaden Sancho, wasn't it? I think, was it Thomas Galvez, who was another one that we had, who was meant to be very good and got picked by Matt, picked up by Man City. I think we've had a couple go to Man City, actually. But over the years, there are probably plenty of names that we're not aware of that have, you know, been very highly thought, of, very highly rated. Watford have put a lot of time, energy, and resource into coaching and nurturing, and all for nothing. And I think that's the um, the kind of crux of the issue, isn't it? So, yeah, disheartening. I think is the the nicest thing I can say. A lot of tweets that I'm seeing are basically saying something along the lines of what's the point of an academy if we can't get our best products into the first team because they end up at someone else's first team before they get there and it, it's hard to argue with that statement oh yeah absolutely well we mind if some of them made it into other teams first teams but a lot of them just get stockpiled and then weeded out a few years down the line whereas at Watford i Obviously, except that we have not had the most um, impressive record of bringing through youngsters in recent times. And the fact that we've played a few this season has been a, an exception rather than the rule. But um, it's it just goes hand in hand with all the other things we see. The uh, European Super League, Project Big Picture, all these things that are designed uh with one aim, and that is to keep the rich and powerful rich and powerful and the rest at arm's reach. And in fact, even today, I saw that there was something, I'm not sure if it broke today, but I certainly saw it today, a thing about um, the Premier League offering the EFL £30 million a year um, um, to essentially uh, kind of, by a bit more control. Um, it's being called the New Deal for football and it would essentially kind of buy control for the Premier League over the Football League and I think tied into that go some way to trying to head off the uh, independent regulator that was kind of finally agreed recently after the white paper. And, it, you know, just all these things, it's... You know, we're not even the smallest fish in the pond by a long stretch, but it's it's pretty transparent and it's pretty despicable. Jordan, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think I think it's been pretty pretty well summed up there. You know, it's one of those things where right now it's not a priority for us, and there's pros and cons to to investing time into it. But certainly, one of the cons is you can lose players to those that have more pull, clubs that have more sway than than you do, just the way the contract system is based and. And when players can sign professional contracts and and so on, there's definitely an opportunity for bigger clubs. And we we do it ourselves as well to to fill our own academy. But um, you know, there, there's some opportunity for us. But most of the time, if they are good enough, then then you do see things like this happen. So it's definitely something we have to address and find a way around. Because right now we're effectively in no man's land. We're not benefiting from it in really any way currently. So. It still needs to be worked on or something that should be discussed when the opportunity arises. It's always better for Watford that players um, develop later, really, once they've already signed a contract with us. There's an argument for it, yeah. And that's that's you know that's part of the, the nature of the whole thing. But again, yeah, a reason why we have to really address what what the objective is there and and, and try and find a way to either you know go for it or 
or minimise the, the damage that could be caused. Right, okay. Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, but let's get ourselves up, though, for um, for the next one, because Luton is a game that doesn't come around that often. Adds a bit of spice to the last bit of the season, at the very least. Which of the players do you think are up for a Luton battle? We had to pick one. I think Porteous would be up for a tear-up. Porteous, yeah. That's a good yeah. one. I think Pedro, I mean, though. Yeah, Pedro will be up for it. He seemed to enjoy it last time, didn't he? Didn't he score his first goal against Luton? He did in the um, what's-it season. Covid season, didn't he? Was that his first goal? Yeah, that was his first goal for us, the home to Luton, because it was very early in the season. That's folklore level, isn't it? Isn't it? Right, okay then. Um, that'll do it. Uh, thanks very much uh, to you two for joining me. I just wanted to also actually thank uh, a few other people, some patrons of us, uh, or patrons. I'm not exactly sure which way around it is, but um, um, we have a few, and I'd like to thank them personally. Hanson Ho, Matthew, Nick Lansing, and Michael Abrams, who uh, are all patrons of us. And if you would like to become a patron, it's uh, just £3 a month, and you get access to the ad-free version of this podcast. But basically, it's just an avenue for, for people to thank us, basically. If you, if, you, if you happen to think that we do a good job, and you'd like to buy us, uh, essentially one pint a month um, for uh, four to five episodes of analysis, chatter and uh, just a few laughs really, then um, it's pretty good value I think. It's, it's, in fact, it's, it's not even really the price of a pint, is it? Three pounds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've also had um, a few more ratings uh, that have come through the door. Um, three five star ones. Uh, I, I, yes, that's right. I can hear you I can hear you going, wow, five stars, really? Are people mad? But no, they're very, very kind. Um, let me read them out to you. This one from Bren MX, who says, Best Watford podcast. Glad to see that you guys are keeping up the great work. I especially like an analysis that is delivered in a mature and professional manner, but with the knowledge that all three of you are true fans. I have pretty much given up on other Watford FC podcasts, apart from the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes one immediately after the games, which is great fun to listen to in the car on the way home your podcast however is a great listen which provides a hard look at what didn't work but also the positives going forward well done for finding any this season by the way so well done uh that's a lovely one um this one from watford fc mumsy uh who says the yoga of watford podcasts very balanced opinions with some technical analysis in brackets yes jordan people do listen to you my treat on the way to the office all the best mum just kidding, Watford have seen Mumsy. I think she's referring to uh, what you said last time on the uh, on, on the pod, Jordan. I th- I'm going to pretend that she's not my mum, just making a fake account and uh, and giving me more support. So again, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and then another one that I, I, I haven't seen until just now. Um, five stars from Brad has one buzzing podcast. Said this before, but worth saying again. Great detail and strong level of analysis and importantly, a measured view of each game and how the team is or not developing. Given season is done, in my opinion, looking forward to an international break review of culture and the Gino question and answers. Well done to Matt, Jordan and Tom. Please keep it up. P.S. When is the beer garden meetup happening? Well, there you go, guys. The uh, the question has been posed. As soon as I have dates, it will be, uh, we'll, be make sure, we'll make sure to uh, to get something in the books, I'd say. Do you think you'll get um, a match in? 
Let's see what the playoffs are looking like, I guess. Yeah, it'll be the playoffs then, will it? Okay, well. As Watford are unlikely to be in those, then we might have to go and watch somebody else play. Maybe uh, taking a, a, a trip to Boreham Wood or something. <laughs> Why not? Hemel Hempstead Town, maybe. Um, great. I mean, lovely, lovely, um, lovely ratings from people, guys. Absolutely. Always appreciated. Yeah, appreciate the support as always. Thanks for getting in touch. Yeah, we have very, very kind listeners. Cool. So if you would like to uh, leave yourself a rating and get it read out on the show, just head along to uh, iTunes, search for Watford FC Buzz Podcast, and then go down to the bottom and give us a rating of one out of five and leave a little comment for us. And it'd be very nice to read that out. Um, so far, we have had 48 ratings. Can you believe that? 48 ratings. Uh, in three seasons. So that's not bad. <laughs> Coming up to the end of our third season. Now, it certainly it? has. How time's flown, eh? <laughs> Probably the worst of the three as well. Never mind. Never mind. Right, okay then. That's it. I'm definitely calling time on it now. Thanks very much to everyone. Uh, from Tom, from Jordan, and from myself. We've been the Watford FC Buzz podcast. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.